Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now. Thank you so much called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com and definitely check out those shows as well. Candace Nelson is the author of Sweet Success, a simple recipe to turn your passion into profit. Candace is a serial entrepreneur, Wall Street Journal contributor, and expert at turning one's passion into a profitable business. I need to take some lessons from her. Her debut book, The Sprinkles Baking Book, 100 Secret Recipes from Candace's Kitchen, was a New York Times bestseller. And now this book, Sweet Success, A Simple Recipe for Turning Your Passion into Profits, is published by HarperCollins Leadership. Candace received her Bachelor of Arts in Economics from Wesleyan University and a Professional Pastry Certification from the former Tante Marie's Cooking School in San Francisco. And as you will hear, she is the founder of Sprinkles, the cupcake chain. 
Welcome, Candace. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I am so happy to be here. I am being treated to a marvelous view. <laughs> and it's so fun to do these podcasts in person I from know. time to time. So nice. Thank you for making the effort. Your book was so interesting. As a fellow entrepreneur, I can say now, I learned so much and I feel so validated because you had a passage in the beginning where you're like, if you've done a lot of jobs, you might be an entrepreneur. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> it doesn't mean you're like totally scattered, right? I felt like my whole background was so mismatched. Well, thank you. I'm glad that resonated with you. And I hope it will resonate with others because I mean, my whole life, I just thought, oh, when am I going to find my thing? Yes. You know, I'm a jack of all trades. I'm a master of none. And I felt less than because of it. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, you and I have said we're generally, we're the same generation. We're yep. generally the same age. And I think when we were growing up, it really was about finding your thing. Yes. You know, what What are you going to do? What is the career you're going to have for the rest of your life? Yep. Such an antiquated concept I, now, right? I know one person who has the same job. One. A doctor? No. Like, actually, okay, just like... Beyond, I, yeah. Okay. But, well, I guess doctors have the same yes. job. You're right, you're right. Yes. But, but beyond doctors. I mean, doctors. like, in a company type of situation. Right. Where they, like, kept doing the same thing forever. Nobody else does that. Nobody else does that. Yeah. And this idea of loyalty, you know, I mean, and security, I mean, people have tended to look at entrepreneurship as sort of the risky pursuit. Mm -hmm. But I mean, look at all the people who are being laid off from these tech companies, right? These big, badass tech companies that have more money than God, and they're revoking job offers. They're laying people off. And I just feel like it reminds me of something someone said to me when I first started Sprinkles, which was just that, you know... If you work at a company, it just takes one person to fire you, Yes, your boss, and I say this in the book, but if you start a business and you've amassed customers, all those customers have to fire you, right? So I have to push back when people say entrepreneurship is so risky, Mm -hmm. right? Life is risky, yeah. but ultimately entrepreneurship is about betting on yourself, Mm -hmm. which I think is really my mission in writing this book is to sort of say to women in particular out there, it's time to bring your confidence online. It's time to find the strength to bet on yourself. I think more women need to realize that, you know, more women than men suffer from imposter syndrome, Mm -hmm. right? We are all walking around thinking that we can't do things. We're frauds. Women suffer statistically more than men. And I think it's just time to say BS to all of that right? And I think there are things you can do to sort of help bring your confidence online if you're not there yet. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, if you got you, anything is possible, right? If you know that you alone, like if you're alone, completely alone by yourself, and you know that you're still strong enough to get through the day with everything else crashing down around you, that's my goal for women out there. I love it. And you're kind of like women who go through so much stuff anyway. Right. Right? Like this doesn't have to even be the hardest thing you do. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It might not be the hardest thing you do. I mean, think about childbirth. Think about raising teenagers, which we were just talking about. It's it's funny. I was actually thinking about the idea of scaling a company and how it is very much like raising children. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have a lot of friends who are just kind of coming into empty nesting now they're seeing their kids off to college. And it's one of those things that I think women don't talk about enough is like what a painful period of time that is. Like I'm, I'm, I'm getting emotional just Aww. thinking about it because 
you know, I'm not too far away from it myself, but I still can't possibly imagine it. And I think the hard thing is it's like the sign of a job well done as a mom, right? Yes. If your little baby bird flies the coop and is independent and responsible enough to to go to college and not need to come home on the weekends for laundry, although maybe they still do, (laughs) then you did a great job raising that child. But it doesn't mean there isn't so much pain and loss that goes with it. And, you know, scaling a company is kind of the same way. It's like, I came to Sprinkles specifically through a passion for baking. But then as we grew and scaled and I built a team, I became further and further more distant from that initial passion that brought me there. And then ultimately we sold Sprinkles and I had a full blown identity crisis. There there was only a tiny bit of that in the book. And I was like, I feel like there's a lot more here. There was just a little paragraph or two. And I'm like, no, no, no. I want to read that book now. Okay. That'll be next. Okay, Okay. That'll be next. And it's interesting because I now that I've been through that experience of building a company that I identified so closely with, I seek that out in articles I'm reading and, and those stories and other entrepreneurs. And, and they're out there. You find them. And it doesn't matter how much you want it. I mean, I came from the world of investment banking. Like we are taught to, you know, build, scale, sell, mm-hmm. right? That is the goal. That's the dream. That's the founder's dream. And certainly it was mine. It was mine, but it didn't make it any less painful. It didn't make it any less confusing when all of a sudden, you know, Sprinkles was coming out with a new flavor and it, it didn't come from my brain. <laughs> it didn't come from my kitchen. And I think a lot of people still think that those recipes are coming from me. You know, it's, it has, there was no sort of big announcement that, that, I'm not operationally behind sprinkles anymore. So sometimes I'll get these DMs like, Candace, that hot Cheeto flavor. I don't know. You'll call yourself a traditionalist and like a purist when it comes to flavors. I just, I don't get it. I'm like, well, yeah, that's not me. <laughs> but but they've done an incredible, you know, we sold to private equity. They've done an incredible job of scaling sprinkles and in particular, you know, doing things operationally that, I probably wouldn't have been able to do because I was in that sort of founder mode of this is my baby and I have to protect it at all costs. And it's, it's hard. Well, I feel like it's also a little bit like an athlete, right? Mm. Like you have the single-minded pursuit of something. Mm. So it's like what happens when you retire from anything into which you throw your body, heart, soul, mind, everything, and then it stops. And like life keeps going on, but like what do you do next? Mm -hmm. Like what does it mean when you view the whole world in this lens and then all of a sudden – it's gone. It's almost like lo- it's like loss. Like when you look mm-hmm. around and you're like, wait, everyone is having a normal day mm-hmm. and my world just like ended over here. Right. How it is just, this possible? It just exploded. Yeah. And I think I didn't do a good job of because I was so singularly focused and you have to be when yeah. you're building yeah. a company, right? But there also has to be another plan. <laughs> like there should be sort of what am I going to do after that? Like at least a little bit of an inkling, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. About who is Candace Nelson post sprinkles? And ultimately I was just ready for a break. Like I wanted a little time off. I wanted some time to dig in with my family. I had, you know, young, young boys at the time. I don't think our school had ever seen me do a drop off or pick up, which is mortifying. But then I just got right on in there and, you know, started doing the class parties and the big charity events and you know, went in another direction with my type A personality. (laughs) (laughs) You talked, I was interested a lot in how 
you could have named it Candace's Cupcakes, and I know this is just one tiny piece. Mm. And your book, by the way, is like such a great primer on the whole start to finish, like from the time you get an idea and the passion and how to execute. And so it's a business book, but it's also for anybody who has an idea about doing anything, right? And how Thank you. Yes. The regular person out there who's like, you know, let's make a new kind of phone case or I don't know, whatever it is, could say like, okay, I could follow this roadmap mm-hmm. and I don't have to be in a particular school or whatever. Like these right. are the steps and like it's very approachable and It was relatable. my cupcake MBA. Your cupcake MBA. <laughs> I love it. I have an actual MBA. I'm not sure it's – well, I shouldn't say anything. Uh, never mind. Thank you. Thank you. It was amazing. Uh, no, obviously things helped. But anyway – My husband of, has an MBA too and it was very helpful. Okay, very helpful. There we go. But I was interested in the way you decided to structure the brand, not as Candace's Cupcakes, but as Sprinkles, and how when the brand was sold, you were even more thankful that you didn't have your actual name attached. So tell me about that. Yes. Well, you know, Candace's Cupcakes, I am a sucker for alliteration. I love alliteration. So that was tempting uh, to go to, you know, use that as our name. But I wanted the brand to be bigger than my own personal brand, Mm -hmm. and actually to a fault initially, right? I wanted it to be 100% the cupcakes. I stayed in the kitchen. I I really didn't have any place in, not much of a place in the story or the positioning of the brand. It was all about the cupcakes, how we were elevating them, how we were reinventing them. So yeah, I was very tempted by the name Candace's Cupcakes because I love alliteration, but ultimately I wanted the name to stand for something bigger than my own personal brand. And to a fault, actually, I just, you know, kind of stayed in the kitchen in those early days, even though I I realize now and ultimately stepping into my personal brand later became such like an important part of the Mm -hmm. brand. Mm -hmm. You know, when people love a product, they really crave a deeper connection with it. And they really, you know, our story, Charles... It's my partner and husband. We stood behind that counter in the bakery, you know, talking to customers all day and just telling them, we left investment banking. We took a risk. <laughs> Everyone said we were crazy, but here we are. And, and people loved that. Yeah. And that gave them something to really hold on to once the cupcake was devoured and gone and to be able to pass along to somebody else. So yeah, Candace's Cupcakes, listen, it's a cute name. If there are any other Candaces out there who want to start a cupcake company, it might be available. <laughs> but I believe in the power of a name. And there's something about sprinkles that as soon as I landed on it, it just was magic. Like I love the way it sounds. Mm-hmm. I like the way it feels when I say it in my mouth. It sounds a little crazy, but no, no, there's so much in a name. Like even just a company like Clubhouse, right? Everyone was so interested in Clubhouse because it just sounded fun. Mm -hmm. Anyway, when we were going through our permitting process in building the business and all the people in the permitting department were obsessed with the name Sprinkles. They didn't even know what the company was yet, but they were like, tell us about Sprinkles. And it just kind of helps a company spread like wildfire. And so did you name Pizzana? Pizzana? So, so, which is your your act two essentially? So, Pizzana is act two. It's our which is delicious. I've eaten there. Oh, sorry, I've okay. eaten there. It's delicious and amazing. And I didn't realize you were behind that. But anyway, oh, thank you. Yes, Pizzana. I'm definitely more sort of behind the scenes uh, founder working on brand, but I am partnered with a founder. Um, a passionate chef, Daniele Uditi, who is really the star of the show from the personal brand perspective. Pizzana, so here's the thing with the name. It's really hard to find a name that's available, Yeah. right? And you can't just choose a name and build a business on it. You have to make sure it's available. You can register it. You can trademark it. And I talk about all this in the book. This is sort of the nuts and bolts stuff that I discuss in the book. Sprinkles was 
it was unbelievable that that name was not in use for a bakery. Mm-hmm. I, I look back on that and I think, wow, that was that was incredibly lucky. With pizza, as you can imagine, there's there's so much pizza out there. There are so many mom and pop and other pizza businesses. It's really hard to land on a name. But something that Daniele told us, which really was sort of the crux of coming up with Pizzana, was that in Italy, on the license plates of cars, I guess the last two letters say what region you're from. So NA means of Naples or oh. Napoli, right? And so we thought, huh, pizza from Naples, Pizzana, and... Oh, I was thinking you were going to go to North America or something for Pizzana. Oh, well, there you go. I hadn't even thought about that because it is, Pizzana really is this merging of Southern Italy meets, you know, well, Southern California, but but Italy meets America, mm-hmm. right? Because Daniele came to this country. He emigrated here with $200 in his pocket. He smuggled in his grandmother's sourdough starter, right? Through customs, thank God. Still the starter that we use to make all of our dough at Pizzana. So there's this incredible tradition there, this this incredible sort of artisanal quality to what he does. But if you've been to, you know, Italy, a lot of times Neapolitan pizza, true Neapolitan pizza is soupy in the middle, right? Mm-hmm. You need a fork and a knife. Mm-hmm. It's fun when you're there because it's, you know, Naples and it's Neapolitan pizza. But in the States, like, Americans want to pick up the slice, right? They're, they don't really have a lot of patience for fork and knife situations. So I like to say hi. That's so pathetic. I know. We're, Think about we're, it. We're that like attention starved and in a rush that we can't even use utensils. Right. Think about it. Hot dogs, it's um, hamburgers. I mean, I like to say I specialize in the handheld food, right? Because think yeah, about okay. cupcakes. That was a whole. No, I, I know. Right. It, it's just. So anyway, I met Daniele at a party. I had one bite of his pizza. I realized it was special. He loved sprinkles. We were just like two bakers, essentially, kind of geeking out over each other's product. And what's different about his dough is he he comes from a family of bread bakers, so there's more heft to Mm -hmm. it. So you have the chew, you have the char and all that, but you can pick up a slice. So it is that perfect blend of like, you know, modern American taste meets like Italian artisanal tradition and history. Yeah. And yeah, we're, it's it's also very delicious. It is. Amazing. Specialize in handheld <laughs> delicious foods, let me add. Another thing you do in your book that I love so much is all these little excerpts from particularly women founders. Mm. And the whole book is not just a celebration of you and your journey and the act of creating, but also all the insights from other people who have mm. done that. So you're celebrating their creations too mm-hmm. and sort of like dragging everyone lifting everybody up not drag lifting <laughs> lifting everybody up in in this journey and what you've learned from them and everything and people like Greg Renfrew who you mm-hmm. mentioned and mm-hmm. just all these wonderful founders and the stories behind them too and how mm-hmm. a lot of them were unlikely or a lot of them persevered mm-hmm. and got through stuff and i feel like you've become in a way uh, like part of this women helping women founding mm-hmm. circle mm-hmm. so as part of that network like how how do you go about like helping future founders or what should female founders in particular do when they're starting out? Like how do they tap into that? Mm. How do they get their own networks built? How important is that Mm. to have it all? It's so important. And first of all, thank you. That's really lovely for you to highlight that and say that. And I, I personally love my network of female founder friends. And we definitely have an understanding of one another's shared experience that is hard to find elsewhere. And I certainly think, you know, 
between the time when I was coming up in the career world and now, there's been such a shift in how women treat one another in the workplace and how we cheerlead for one another. Certainly when I was coming up in investment banking, I didn't feel that there were other women looking out for me. Mm-hmm. And listen, it's because it was really hard for them to get those positions, right? And there was only one seat at the table. And I I didn't begrudge them. I I worked harder probably because of it, right? Because I realized, okay, no one's going to help me. I'm going to have to make this opportunity for myself. But it is amazing to see this complete shift, this groundswell of support of women championing other women. And so as a result, I didn't really do a good job of building my network. When I first started Sprinkles, I just thought entrepreneurs are like these solo founder people and they have to be strong and they have to do it all themselves. And granted, I wasn't doing anything myself. I had my incredible co-founder, Charles. I had an incredible team from the beginning. But beyond that, I didn't have a network. And I realized like, how powerful a network is just in terms of being able to send an email and be like, what do you think of your uh, digital, you know, advertising person? Or can you just go get a drink right now? I'm dying. Like, I can't, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm exhausted. I just need to stop thinking about work for one second. I'm part of this incredible professional women's network called WeSuite. And it's unbelievable. Like, you know, anyone can send out an email into the ether and these women just like, they raise their hand to help. It's, it's incredible to me. Anything from like, I need a new nanny to, I need a COO to, you know, I need a place for my company's retreat. I mean, it's just incredible to know that those networks are out there. But beyond that, if you don't have the money to spend on a professional network of that type, there's LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everything is at our fingertips right now. I'm mentoring a female bakery founder, Azraeus Bellamy of Blondery in New York, who found me on Instagram. She just started interacting with my content, you know, and then she reached out on DM to ask for a few questions. She didn't come out of the gate and say, will you be my mentor? Mm -hmm. Which can be overwhelming, right? And I do as much mentoring as I can, but part of the idea behind the book was that I only have so much time, so this can help a larger number of people. But all of these social networks are free and they're for the taking if you apply them correctly, right? There's a good way to send a request and an email, and there's a not-so-good way to send a request and email. Maybe my next book should be about that. (laughs) I have a friend, actually, Christopher Tuff, who wrote the book Save Your Asks, which is an interesting one Mm. because it's very true. You have to, like, you know, kind of... There's such a thing as a warm lead and a cold lead, and there's a way to do it. But yeah, absolutely work your network on social media, on LinkedIn. I mean, my founder friend, Lisa Odenweller, who is the founder behind Chroma Wellness, which is this reset cleanse that I'm an investor in, she literally went dialing for dollars on LinkedIn. I mean, she she looked around and, and found leaders in her industry and reached out to them and got not just information and knowledge and connections to find her co-packer, but she got money to invest in her company. It's like unbelievable wow. what is possible these days. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything, it might be time to work on those things. And I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because... Even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help, and I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. Before I started this whole like literary stuff, I was mm-hmm. helping my family. Um, my husband's family had a, a great crumb cake, and <gasps> they wanted to turn it into a business. And so what? I helped them start Nini's Treats. Which, oh, um, my God. Yeah, although, tragically, his mom and grandmother died of COVID. I know. So now his sister runs a business, but it's on I'm Gold so Belly sorry. and everything. But I was helping. I know. It's terrible. But I was helping, and I was like talking to my whole like network of like people I went to school with or whatever. I was like, um, frozen trucks, like reefer trucks. Like, how do I get a product from here to there? Like, why are all the co oh, the co-packers were like not producing like a good enough thing. Like we, they tried out so many co-packers. And there's, anyway, there's all these little things that you have to realize along the way. And I, when you're saying like you reach out for a co-packer, I was like, oh my God, that would have saved us so much time. <laughs> but anyway, it's still around. But yeah. But I think that's part of what I'm trying to share in Sweet Success is the fact that, like, no, sure, there are experienced founders out there, but most, most of them yeah. aren't. Yeah. Most of them are literally just figuring it out. Mm-hmm. And it's rolling with the punches on a day-to-day basis and, you know, asking whoever's in your network who might know better than you for their advice and using your gut and a little bit of analysis to figure it out. Yeah. And and that's what I mean by betting on yourself. It's it's really eye-opening when you look around and you talk to these founders and you realize like they don't have more experience than I do. Mm-hmm. But look at what they've built. So what is that? Right. Right? I love that you, you admitted there was something you were ashamed that you didn't have some sort of classical training in, in the making oh. of the cupcakes and you're still like, you have some like, this was in the imposter section, I think, but yeah, embarrassment no. that like you hadn't had that particular pastry chef training or something. Right. So I was I was doing something for Netflix, and one of the hosts of their show was like this very highly esteemed food critic at one of the magazines, and he literally looked at me and made me feel this big with one question. It was like, 
well, who did you stage with? Mm-hmm. And right, I was like, nobody. You're right. You're <laughs> right. I'm a fraud. I'm nobody. I'm nothing. But it's like, <laughs> no, I have all of these other strengths. Like, I don't have to be that thing. And I think that that's also part of the messaging in the book is like releasing this idea that there are rules and there are expectations and like, you know, making your own mark and, you know, embracing the ands, as I like to say, like kind of switching that thinking from, oh, I'm less than because I'm a jack of all trades to like, look at how multifaceted I am. (laughs) Look at all the things I can do. So true. Oh my gosh. So what is your big hope with this book? I know it's to help individuals we talked about, but you spent, you obviously must have spent a lot of time working on it mm. and you can maybe touch on that and how mm-hmm. long did this take and, but what was the, why, why do it? Like why now? Why did you stop everything to write this book? What mm. was that all about? Well, I do hear from a lot of aspiring founders. I hear from some who want mentorship. I hear from some who want investment and I am doing some angel investing, but I also hear from women who have this, you know, business idea on the back burner, but they just would never pursue it because they're definitely not founder material. It's like, why? And even just these these women in my life who are now becoming empty nesters and they have time on their hands now Mm -hmm. and they have so much to give. And a couple of them have started companies and it's incredible to see, but there's a lot more out there that think that they can't. And so I think I believe in entrepreneurship. I, I believe entrepreneurs are like, they're optimists, right? And in this world, don't we need a little bit more optimism? It's like people looking around, seeing a problem and getting off the couch and doing something about it. And I love that. I just believe in entrepreneurship in general. But I also think that I want to see women create more wealth. Entrepreneurship can be the fastest way to do that. Women do I think, better things with their wealth than men do in general, right? They donate more, they invest more in other women. And so there's a movement here. Mm -hmm. I want women to bet on themselves. I want them to start companies or they don't even have to start a company. They can go after their dreams in whatever way that may be, right? But ultimately that comes from grit and resilience and confidence. So there's a mindset piece to it. And then for those who do want to start a business, I wanted to provide some tactical information, some actionable tools, a roadmap to how you might think about that. Because, you know, we see a lot about the Jeff Bezoses, mm-hmm. the Elon Musks in the media and the press, but I literally built a business doing something that a child could do, right? I mean, anyone can make a cupcake. So entrepreneurship really is for everyone. It's not just for tech savants. It's not just for people who are sending rocket ships to the moon. And so I think that ultimately would be my message. I love that. I think there's so much untapped potential for women of a certain age, right? They used to, mm-hmm. used to 50s, 60s, 70s. There was an 80-year-old woman who came to this book event yesterday and was like, no one's, t- you know, what about me? I've got all this time. I don't want to just be told mm-hmm. to walk up and down the hill to UCLA or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I don't want to be told to take my vitamins. Like, I'm just as smart and engaged as I was, but no one's, like, talking to me. Like, what should I do? I don't know. I just, every so often I get, like, so excited. Like there are all these women out there with time now Mm -hmm. and potential and Mm. brilliance. And Mm. like if everybody got together and did cool stuff, like the world would really change. hundred percent. So I get very excited about that too. Yeah. And I'm a big believer in second chapters, Mm -hmm. obviously, because I had to create mine. But you're right. These women that have time are vibrant. They have energy, they have resources, and they're a lot of them very mission-driven. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. There's more heart 
I think sometimes in businesses that women found. So yeah, let's harness them. Let's go, yeah. let's go round them up. I would love do it. some fun yes. things. Yes. It's so exciting. <laughs> the last thing I just want to touch on is you made a conscious choice at some point to decide to put yourself forward as a brand, right? Mm. We discussed this a little bit before, but, but really, I mean, starting the TV shows and even now like helping with uh, Daniele mm. with his show and making yourself out there and a mm-hmm. public figure. Mm-hmm. Do you have any regrets about that? Or did you, do you miss, like, what, it, how do you feel about that aspect of your life? And sort of taking your behind the counter and not only coming out, mm-hmm. but like being on TV and like being a pub, really public. How mm-hmm. do you feel about it now? Well, I think it was good practice actually to step out from behind the bakery counter and step into my brand because now in this day and age, like everybody has to be a brand. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're starting a company, everybody has to have a personal brand, a persona, and whether it's doing a podcast or just turning your iPhone on yourself and running an IG live or whatever it is, like Mm -hmm. we have this free marketing tool Mm -hmm. at our disposal and Frankly, if you're starting a company, people expect you to use it. Like the investors, if you're raising money, are asking you what your social media plan is, right? And again, I have a lot of friends who are more my age who are struggling with that. Mm -hmm. They don't think that they're, they look good enough to get in front of the camera. They need to be ready for that. And so that's why I actually think that TikTok is, is a refreshing change of pace. I, Instagram was this very sort of, that's how I was brought up. That's where Sprinkles really was brought up. And it's this glossy, you know, idealized place where people go to see aspirational pictures of what they, you know, it's just perfection personified, right? TikTok is raw and gritty. And so sometimes I feel like, even though we think of TikTok as being a much younger platform, I say to my friends, like, start on TikTok. Like, if you're starting a brand, start on TikTok and show up as your messy self because that's what people like. And and it's kind of an ego boost, actually, because, you know, there is something that feels bad about feeling like you need to feel filtered or, you know, the photo needs to be just so, like, oh, it's just exhausting, right? TikTok, you don't need to do that. So my point in in saying that, you know, I embraced my personal brand early, so I think it was good practice for what is expected now. But I also, I think there's a there's a whole spectrum of how you can embrace it. The original show, Cupcake Wars, that I was on for 10 seasons on the Food Network was a docu-series. So the original ask was, we're going to follow you around in your business, and we're going to come in your home, and we're going to, you know, video your kids. And that was a hard no. That mm-hmm. was a hard no. You know, like, there are things that are sacred that you just don't put out there. Mm-hmm. And that's my family. I mean, I, I didn't put a picture of my, I mean, and everyone does it differently. This is not judgment. Mm-hmm. This is what was right for me. But I didn't put a picture of my kid on Instagram until they were old enough to be on Instagram. Yep. So, but then when the Food Network said competition shows are doing really well for us, maybe Candace would consider being a judge I was like, that is the type of, you know, persona I can get behind. That is the type of TV that feels comfortable to me. And then you're right. Yeah, now I'm having fun packaging other people's brands. I just co-created and I'm executive producing this show on Hulu for Daniele called Best in Dough. So he's essentially going to be, you know, what I was for Cupcake Wars, he'll be for this pizza competition show. And it starts streaming September 19th. Shameless plug. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it's really fun for me because it just, 
having that founder story, having that additional person behind the brand really just deepens the brand itself. You re- you referenced Maxi Kosler in your acknowledgement. Yeah. Um, so I had like worked with her for a little bit a couple of years ago, and we I remember sitting right out there, and she's like, "If you want to do this, like you're gonna have to like step up mm. and like move forward and like be the person, mm-hmm. you know? Like not everybody wants to do it." And mm-hmm. I was like, "No, I'm not interested in like that. I just want to like sit behind the microphone and mm-hmm. do a podcast." And she's like. No, you got to get ready for it. And so then I was like reading yours and then I was seeing her there. I was like, everything is coming full circle. You know, like, because you're right. It is all about like personal branding, connection to people. Like they want to see and talk to you. And anyway, you're like the, the, the prime example of like a successful implementation of this. And, and it's scary. It's a little bit scary. And it's, if you're a highly sensitive person, I mean, I can't even tell you how hard it was for me when I first started and it was before I personally came out as a brand, but when I opened a public company, yep. a retail company, not a public yeah, company. Yeah. But all of a sudden, there were reviews online. Mm-hmm. And I would pour over those reviews, and it would cut me like a knife because, as we know, the internet is largely for complaining. So there were a lot of negative reviews, even yep. though there was a line out the door. And I have to say, give a lot of credit to my friends in the entertainment industry who you know, advised me on this. Do not read the reviews. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and well, I'm going to say the same thing to you for your book. Okay, yes. It's the same thing. Okay, I mean, thank not that you. you haven't already had a cookbook, but you know, don't read. It's the same thing for authors. Like, don't yes. read your reviews. It does no good. Oh, okay. That, that is a good reminder. Yeah. That is a good reminder because it is, it's all the same stuff. When you put yourself out there, but, and, and then I, I quote Gwyneth Paltrow in the book about this, and I don't, I don't remember it verbatim, but it's basically like, what type of person do you want to be? Do you mm-hmm. want to be the person creating things in the world, or do you want to be the one on the sidelines critiquing it, mm-hmm. right? At the end of the day, you have to have both, yep. but who would you prefer to be? I know I'd rather be the one, you know, putting myself out there, sometimes falling flat on my face, but sometimes succeeding as a result. But I think that's why all the people were online who wanted to hear your story, because people just want a little piece of that. Mm-hmm. They want it, They want to be a part of a success story, a lot mm-hmm. of people. And that's mm-hmm. why they want to hear your story. And then they take a bite and they're like, well, I'm part of this journey now too. Like I'm helping so much. And it's true. I mean, these people, they were like, it was like they took their marching orders. They had their box of cupcakes. They heard our story and they were like, uh-huh. And they marched out into the world shared the cupcakes with people and shared our story with people. And that is like in any company, that is what you want. That's the holy grail of marketing is that organic word of mouth. And the easier you can make that for people, right? And when I say easy, I mean like, you know, digestible, like, you know, a story that people can hook onto. It's easy to, you know, share. The better it will be. Yeah, so true. Well, congratulations. Thank you so much. The success of your life and your book. And it's really inspiring and awesome. And hopefully this conversation, your book, all of it inspires all these little things to start happening and like roots to start growing. And just very exciting, the ripple effects. It's awesome. It is amazing, the power of a book. I feel like there's something different about the energy of a book that I wasn't expecting. Mm -hmm. I I thought of a book as being just sort of a brand extension, but it's not. It's really a launching off pad to something else. Yeah. And people treat books in it. It's sort of rarefied, right? There's something very special with the way that people consider books. I love it. I love being part of it. It's very different. I mean, I have a, a book. I have a I'll put it in quotes, book out prior to this one, but it's a cookbook. Right. So very different. Yep. Yeah. But still, amazing. Anyway, Thank thanks you. for coming on. Thank you for having me. Congrats. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. 
Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 